Hello, you're very welcome to Long Reads, a Jacobin podcast where we look in depth at political topics and thinkers. My name's Daniel Finn. I'm the features editor here at Jacobin, and I'll be presenting the show. France was one of the last countries in Western Europe to elect a social democratic government after the war. When François Mitterrand became the country's president back in 1981, he established the Socialist Party as a regular party of government. For the next 36 years, the French socialists took turns in office with their conservative rivals. But the old party system collapsed in the last French presidential election and doesn't seem to be coming back. What was the history that brought the French left to its current state of crisis? And does it show what other countries are going to experience in the future? Our guest today is Fabienne Escalona, a journalist for the French publication Mediapart. What was the position of French socialism when the Parti Socialiste was launched in 1969? And how did it relate to the French Communist Party, which was much larger at the time? In 1969, the Socialist Party was uh, very weak. Uh, Its electoral performance uh, at the presidential election this year was uh, a disaster. Only 6% of the votes. And the year before, uh, the legislative performance was uh, less catastrophic, but the party was member of a wider center-left coalition, which gets uh, 16% of the votes behind the Communist Party, which gets uh, 20% of the vote. Actually, since the liberation uh, after the war, the Socialist Party has been outstriped by the French Communist Party, whereas it has been the leading force of the labor movement before the war. So France uh, was one of the few West European countries with uh, Italy and Finland, where the Communist Party dominated the class cleavage. So the socialists were quite close to the communists just uh, at the eve of the post-war period. But after 1947 and the Cold War and so on, they agreed with uh, other centrist and rightist political parties to prevent the French Communist Party from being part of any governmental coalition. So uh, the, the Socialist Party was constrained to alliances to its right to be uh, on, the, on the opposition benches. Things became more complicated after uh, 1958 uh, because of the regime change. De Gaulle was called to put an end to the Algerian crisis and he obtained the end of the Fourth Republic and the advent of the Fifth Republic, which was based on a very much more presidential logic. So we had a new regime, a new electoral rules that encouraged a polarization between right and left and with less space for centrist coalitions uh, during the, the Fourth Republic. So the Socialist Party was deprived of uh, an efficient strategy and um, incited to become uh, closer to, to the Communist Party. When François Mitterrand became the dominant figure in the party during the 1970s, what was his strategy for the conquest of power and what was he hoping to achieve in office? Uh, As I tried to uh, explain in an article for Jacobin, uh, Mitterrand was a man of the Fourth Republic, but uh, he provided a strategy very well adapted to the new institutions. He combined uh, a critique of the Gaullist regime 
and a social um, criticism that spoke to, to all sections of the left. In 1968, before he joined the Socialist Party, Mitterrand spoke to an audience of American students at UCLA. Mitterrand described the contrast as he saw it between the Fourth and Fifth Republics in post-war France. La Quatrième République était une démocratie qui penchait vers l'anarchie. The Fourth Republic, a democracy which leaned towards anarchy. La Cinquième République est une démocratie qui penche vers la monarchie. <laughs> Understood. While the Fifth Republic is a democracy which leans towards monarchy. Nous essayons maintenant de trouver un chemin entre les deux. And today we're trying to find a middle road. Les deux grands problèmes que n'a pas pu résoudre la Quatrième République ont donc été la création d'un gouvernement stable, d'un côté, et de l'autre, le problème de la décolonisation. The two big problems of the Fourth Republic were governmental stability and the problem of decolonization. They weren't resolved. La fin de l'empire colonial français a provoqué beaucoup de soubresauts dans notre pays. There were many sudden uh, death jerks, if you want, <laughs> at the end of the decolonization in France. Avant 1900, avant que le général de Gaulle ne prenne le pouvoir, il était à la tête des colonialistes français. Before he took power, General de Gaulle was at the head of the, co of the colonizers, the ones for colonization. Depuis qu'il est au pouvoir, il a pris la tête des anticolonialistes français. But since he's come to power, he has taken the head of the anti-colonial powers. Uh, at the same time, he knew that the presidential election was the crucial one, that this election could only be won by a non-communist leader able to gather all the voices of the left in a second round. And he followed uh, this uh, strategy quite consistently before and after having taken the head of the Socialist Party in 1971. Mitterrand certainly wanted to modernize the society in a quite a democratic way, but I must say that he had only vague ideas in economic matters The broader goal, to, to sum up, was to find a third way between capitalism and collectivism, but on a very gradualist path. Uh, it was clear that the, the, this goal would be achieved over uh, an indefinite period of time. And for sure, he couldn't anticipate the neoliberal counter-revolution that the socialists So, once in, in power uh, in, uh, in 1981. Why did the alliance between the Socialists and the French Communist Party break up on the eve of the 1978 parliamentary elections, which they were expected to win? And what were the consequences of that split? The break of the alliance can be explained by the fact that the, um, the Communist Party felt that it was losing its dominant role within the left. And that was true. The communists knew that uh, Mitterrand had the goal to take the leadership of the entire left, but they believed they could escape this scenario thanks to their more popular base. However, they had to recognize the, the very dynamic of the Socialist Party, 
which was better place to capture the frustrated aspirations of uh, May 68. And that's why, after a, sh a short uh, Euro-communist phase, the French Communist Party chose a retreat to an old-fashioned Leninist and most of all conservative identity. And also, retrospectively, this turn appears uh, as the, the most destructive decision of the French Communist leadership, the, the last opportunity to, to avoid the destiny that, that we know. And to, to answer your question, um, uh, in the short term, the, the breaking of the alliance was paid by an electoral defeat uh, in 1978. Although many, uh, many people expected the first alternance of, of the Fifth Republic, and they had uh, to wait. <laughs> But in the longer term, it certainly helped the, the Socialist Party to win the national elections of 1981 for two reasons. On the one hand, the Socialists managed to appear as those who still wanted a left union, which was a, a popular demand. They appeared as uh, those who were not sectarian. And on the other hand, The moderate voters were less afraid than in the past, as they could see that a victory of the left would not be synonymous to a communist victory. What was the platform on which Mitterrand was elected as French president in 1981? And how far did his government go in attempting to implement that platform once in office? There was a lot of uh, democratic reforms, uh, such as uh, the, the abolition of the death penalty, an agenda to improve uh, women's and LGBT rights, and so on. And all this was uh, what implemented at the beginning uh, uh, of the mandature. Um, the economic program was, of course, very important and could be labeled as Marxo-Keynesian program. <laughs> this would be an attempted combination of Marx and Keynes when it came to economics. You're right. That is a mix between a relaunch of the aggregate demand through redistributive measures, social measures, fiscal measures, and a more dirigist policy to improve the, um, the country's productive capacity through a wave of nationalizations. And all this was also implemented. But very quickly, in two years, there was a U-turn. Uh, there was a substitution of uh, orthodox economic goals and conceptions and austerity measures uh, were, were implemented to curb inflation. We also saw that uh, finance began to be uh, deregulated by the socialist government. And uh, I should add that the management criteria for uh, the state-owned companies were aligned with those of the private sector. So um, there was no, no real attempt to, to preserve the uh, initial economic program. Basically, because, as, as I said uh, earlier, uh, Mitterrand had no precise intentions uh, in this matter uh, and didn't want uh, a real socialist transition to uh, an alternative mode of, of production. And we can see that the people uh, nominated uh, at economic and financial 
top jobs by Mitterrand uh, were very moderate guys with a, a Keynesian background that was challenged by the conjecture and, and the neoliberal counter-revolution, but they had no uh, Marxist background or, and, uh, and there were not uh, uh, ideological guys. How did the French socialists relate to the project of European integration as it took shape in the 1980s and the 90s? It's a complicated question, but um, to sum up, uh, there was a left faction within uh, the, the Socialist Party, the PS, a left pack faction called uh, the Ceres, uh, led by uh, Chevènement. Uh, and this faction was uh, very critical of the European integration as other left uh, so social democratic factions in other countries, uh, as in the UK, for example. But on the whole, the, the, the PS, uh, the Socialist Party, has remained attached to the, uh, the European integration uh, since the beginning uh, and, and until the, the 80s. One of the reasons why uh, Mitterrand abandoned the Marxo-Canadian project was that, um, that he found too adventurous to exit from the, the European monetary system at this time. Uh, we have similar debates uh, nowadays related to the euro, but the euro uh, is far more rigid than the the European monetary system, because it is a common currency, a sort of new golden standard, which renders left policies very difficult as the common market uh, in general, uh, with, uh, with the free uh, movement of capital and goods, uh, especially. In his talk at UCLA in the late 60s, Mitterrand expressed his support for the project of European integration that had been launched by Jean Monnet and Robert Schuman. He criticised the nationalist outlook of Charles de Gaulle and regretted the fact that European unity had become entangled with the Cold War. La, le, la grand, le grand débat qui sépare l'opinion démocratique et socialiste du général de Gaulle, c'est essentiellement le problème de la construction de l'Europe. The great debate which separates socialism and uh, General de Gaulle is the question of Europe. Faut-il donner à l'Europe occidentale une unité organique et politique? Does Western Europe have to have a, a political and an organic unity? C'est en 1949 que M. Jean Monnet et M. Robert Schuman ont lancé la première idée de construction européenne. It was in 1949 that Jean Monnet and I didn't get the name and Robert Schuman uh, launched the idea of a united Europe. Malheureusement, cette idée nouvelle a coïncidé avec la séparation du monde en deux blocs, le pacte de Varsovie et le pacte du Netto. Unluckily, this was at the same time that the world was splitting into two factions under the Warsaw Pact and under the NATO Pact. Aussi, l'Europe, la construction européenne, est-elle apparue comme un prolongement de la puissance militaire américaine? And therefore, the European, the idea of Europe, seemed to be a prolongation of American military might. Et un moyen de lutter contre le monde communiste. And a way of fighting communism. By the time of his death in 1996, Mitterrand's role in building up the European Union was considered to be one of his main achievements. This obituary from the BBC gave it pride of place. 
Physically, he was a diminutive figure on the world stage. Intellectually, he had claims to greatness. It was Mitterrand, together with the German Chancellor Helmut Kohl, who was the architect of the Maastricht Treaty. There was an odd imbalance in the relationship between the two men and the countries they represented. France, scared of German power, keen to tie it closer to Europe. Germany, scared of its own history, just as keen to be tied in. The tension became most apparent when the Berlin Wall came down. Mitterrand was fiercely opposed to unification, changing his mind only when it became clear it would happen anyway. But the Franco-German axis was built. It was the British who were left by the wayside. And it was quite perverse uh, in the sense that European integration uh, superseded socialist ideals while being presented as their necessary precondition. In the 80s and 90s, many socialists, many French socialists in France and in, uh, in the European Union were united by the promise of the social Europe and the hope of uh, Euro-Keynesianism and all things that remained fantasies. By the time François Mitterrand stepped down in 1995, what had his government done to change France? And how had the Parti Socialiste itself changed while in office? The PS brought some democratic advances, but clearly the, the most important legacy is that it has contributed to, to change the French socio-economic model in a neoliberal way. The Socialist Party inaugurated the transformation from a dirigist state to an anesthetist state, uh, characterized by uh, growing neoliberal reforms and still quite large public expenditures to cushion the impact on the population. So we have the, the, this uh, hybrid uh, economic policy or, or, or this hybrid political economy in France uh, since then. Meanwhile, the, the party has lost uh, its um, militant strength and melded with public institutions, national and local ones. Its presidentialization was accentuated through the introduction of primaries, closed primaries and then open primaries. And its influence has uh, decreased, its electoral influence has decreased uh, in, the, in the declining industrial basins of the eastern and Mediterranean departments. But its strongest areas, uh, even though, uh, even uh, if, uh, if the, 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 the PS is, is very weak, but even though the strongest uh, areas can be found in the west and southwest of the country where the service sector continues to, to thrive. What was the experience of the so-called plural left coalition government that was led by Lionel Jospin in the late 1990s? And why did Jospin himself perform so badly in the 2002 presidential election, allowing Jean-Marie Le Pen to reach the second round against Chirac? Mm. Um, in 1997, two years after a very important social movement in France, um, there were early legislative elections and the different parties of the left uh, find a loose agreement to maximize their seats 
and to govern together in case of victory. And Lionel Jospin, the leader uh, of the PS, uh, became prime minister of the right-wing president Chirac. He claimed he would reconcile budget and price stability with more interventionist policy to reduce the unemployment and to improve uh, social justice. Lionel Jospin came to power at a time when the so-called third wave of centre-left politicians was in vogue throughout Europe and North America. Unlike his British and German counterparts, Tony Blair and Gerhard Schroeder, Jospin was more likely to be verbally critical of the free market, although his government privatised more state-owned companies than its Conservative predecessors. Speaking on a visit to Washington in 1998, Jospin described the Asian financial crisis as a sign that the world economy needed stronger regulation. It's striking in hindsight, after the crash of 2008, that this was considered a daring argument for a European leader to put across. Financial crisis in Asia or elsewhere are both a sign of a degree of market failure which legitimately calls for governmental actions and points to the need for a certain degree of regulation of the world economy, at the centre of which stand the IMF, and the G7. Uh, the reduction in working hours was implemented. It was a, a very important uh, policy with great success, despite uh, the lies of the right <laughs> since then, a great success. But uh, the, the global economic downturn from, uh, from 2000 onwards was accompanied by uh, financial restrictive policy at the European level and brought, uh, again, uh, social insecurity. While the, the deterioration of uh, the working conditions had been neglected by the government, by the left government, uh, which made more and more neoliberal concessions until uh, 2002. Uh, and besides, uh, the, the electoral agenda was dominated uh, this year by law and order issues. And the left has always been weak uh, on this uh, subject at the eyes of the public opinion. And all, you know, uh, Lionel Jospin was unable to gather enough votes to accept, to access the, the, the second round. Many people in France still tell that it was uh, the fault uh, of too many um, uh, left candidates, uh, the fault of the fragmentation of the left. But it doesn't explain why the electoral level of Jospin was so weak in comparison with the past. So it's the fault of Jospin himself. In 2012, after three successive defeats, the Parti Socialiste regained the presidential office with François Hollande as its standard bearer. Hollande gave a triumphant speech as the results came in. Mes chers concitoyens, My dear countrymen, Les Français, en ce 6 mai, on this day, May the 6th, the French have chosen change and have elected me to the presidency of the Republic. I am keenly aware of the honour done to me and of the greatness of the task ahead of me. And here before you, I undertake to serve my country. In 2012, François Hollande became the first socialist president since Mitterrand. Five years later, his party slumped to fifth place in the presidential election and single figures. 
What were the main causes of that decline? You're right. It's a very impressive case of, uh, of the near death of a party. The, the PS has lost its um, previous status as the largest party of the left. But I must say that nothing appeared to indicate such an annihilation before 2016. Um, just uh, it, it was just a, a classical defeat, if I may, that, that was expected. However, two initiatives proved to be destructive as uh, they shocked uh, the, the, the very core uh, of the socialist electorate in 2016. The first one, uh, which was later abandoned, was the proposal to enshrine in the constitution the stripping of French nationality from those convicted of terrorist crimes. And the notion of stripping someone of their nationality ran countercurrent to the cultural liberalism of not only the Socialist Party electorate, but also that of all of the left. And the other reform was that of the labor market, characterized by um, a loosening up of uh, employment regulations, and which represented another rupture with uh, social and doctrinal compromises that the PS had until then uh, maintained. He, he made reforms on the, the, the market of goods. He made reform uh, on, the, on the financial ground, as I said, but he was uh, very cautious as far as labor market was concerned. Um, so th that's why this reform, the, the, the loi El Khomri, uh, as we said, uh, this reform uh, was very crucial and, and shocked um, the, the core of the socialist electorate. How much of the old Parti Socialiste as an organisation has simply crossed over to Emmanuel Macron's new party? Uh, it's difficult to say. Uh, many members, um, I speak of uh, uh, grassroots members of the, of the Socialist Party, have left the party but went nowhere. Several uh, Socialist MPs, but not the majority, a strong minority, joined Macron as well as some uh, mayors of important cities, but still a minority of mayors of important cities, like Gérard Collomb in Lyon, where I live. And most of, um, of these people uh, came from the right wing of the Socialist Party. Uh, Skoda once told me that they experienced a kind of uh, liberal pride, thanks to Macron. Uh, at last, they didn't have to behave as they were genuine socialists. So uh, we can tell there has been quite a, uh, an ideological clarification. I must add that if some of them were included in the government, the most important jobs are held by uh, men with a right-wing background around, around Macron. What do you think are the wider prospects of the French left in the upcoming presidential election or in a more long-term perspective? Uh, honestly, the prospects are bleak. There is still a significant left constituency, but the political supply of the left is uh, fragmented with no force able to take the leadership 
neither the France Insoumise of Mélenchon, neither are the Greens, uh, or the Socialist Party, uh, uh, which has lost uh, much uh, credibility. But many forces uh, still believe they are entitled <laughs> for for taking the leadership. So it's, it's a, a situation quite uh, inextricable. In uh, an institutional system, still uh, governed by uh, the presidential election and no proportional representation, which uh, doesn't help us uh, in, in that matter. However, uh, I must say that when French people are, are questioned, interviewed on their values, on their expectations, on economic matters, but also on cultural matters or ecological matters, Uh, there is some fertile ground for uh, left and even uh, radical ideas, uh, I think. And the main problem lies in, in the current parties and their leaders. It is a bit unfair, but it is a bit true. Also, we have a, a real problem of political supply more than political demand of the left. Many thanks to Fabian Escalona for giving us that account of the rise and fall of the French Socialist Party. You can also read his biographical profile of François Mitterrand on the Jacobin website. 